With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. KXNO Des Moines. Now, today's biggest stories from the BMW of Des Moines Sports Desk. This is an X's and O's update on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And I'm Trent Condon. Another day, another commitment for the Iowa football program. Yesterday, Southeast Valley defensive end Aaron Graves becomes the first commitment for the class of 2022 for the Hawkeyes. As a freshman, Graves had 67 tackles, including 15 for loss and 11 sacks. The Iowa Cubs with a home win last night against Omaha 5-1. Craig Kimbrell pitched a 1-2-3 ninth inning in the Iowa Cubs victory. To Major League Baseball, and it didn't take long for the Yankees to break the record for home runs in consecutive games. The 2-2, hit in the air, deep left field. If it's fair, it's gone. It is gone. The 2019 Yankees have just become the first team in baseball history to homer in 28 straight games, and it did not take long tonight. The call from the Yes Network as Yankees win it 4-3. The Royals were in Cleveland last night, down 6-4 in the ninth inning. There's this. Oh, There's a drive. Deep left field. Oh, way back, and that ball is a grand slam. Hunter Dozier. The call from Fox Sports Kansas City as Dozier goes deep for the 13th time this year in an 8-6 Royals victory. In Minnesota, the Twins jumped on the reigning Cy Young Award winner, Blake Snell. Ripped to left, a base hit. Wendell reached for it, but it was by him. Snow being waved around. Bam's throw to the plate, not in time. A two-run single for Mitch Garver. The call from Dick Bremer on Fox Sports North as the Twins win 9-4. The Cubs fell to the Braves 3-2. Cardinals drop a home game to Oakland 7-3. And Milwaukee falls at home 8-3 to Seattle. Coming up tonight on 1460 KXNO 5 o'clock, it's Hawks Central. Chad Lysdico, Ross Peterson, and myself will be joined by Hawkeye defensive coordinator Phil Parker. Live from the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson Studios, you'd rather be here. This is 1460 KXNO. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Good morning. Welcome in once again. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. Ken Miller out for the final time today. He'll be making his way back from Vegas this afternoon. I am here with my man today, Emery Songer. What it is, baby. What's happening, my man? I mean, I'm just I'm chilling. Chilling like a villain in the studio. Uh, very, actually, in all seriousness, very happy to be here once again. Thrilled that I was asked by Trent Condon to once again saddle up here for uh, a show that really, really tests my mind. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I, this, this show keeps me sharp. When I prepare for this one, I, I can't just look at the front page and be like, I'll be fine. Right, right. I got to be like, okay, I got to be in my game. I got I to gotta dig in. That's I, what we like to do. I, I gotta find. I gotta find those deep underlying storylines because that's the stuff 
that we chew on here on Miller and Condon. That's what we work to do. We we look to bring two hours of pure sports talk. We'll delve off from time to time, but very quickly, we bring it back to the middle and we bring it back to sports. And, sports, sports, and more sports. And to be honest, that's kind of me. I, I That's your life. You can say I'm kind of shallow. I don't. There's a song about that. Is there? It's named Shallow. I don't know if it's about you. Who's it by? I think Lady Gaga sings it. Oh. Oh, yeah, from the movie, right? Yeah, the, the movie. The movie. See, this, this is how deep I could go. I went to the movie. It was, I think. You, the, you saw the movie? I haven't yeah. seen that movie. And I still can't even bring it up. That is yeah. Mr. The, movies. The bar. The, he'll be on Murphy and Andy later today. He could probably help you star, out. Star is born. That's what it is. The star, star is, is born. born. There yeah. you go. You got it, boy. Let's get into sports. What do you say? <laughs> probably a good idea. Well, last night in baseball, I had a really, a really nice night of just flipping around. Yep. And it was Tuesday evenings are perfect where you know everybody's going to be playing an evening game unless there's a rain out and there's a doubleheader scheduled. It is, you have a full schedule, all 30 teams playing, 15 games across the leagues, and it's all going to be between 6 and 9.05 our time. Those games are going to start. And had time, had the little one by myself for a while. That was good. The wife had something going on. She was at some event last night, so... No, it wasn't sports, so he has absolutely no idea what it was. <laughs> Completely honest, I don't. And hopefully she's not listening right now. Yeah, no idea, because she told me all about it. I still don't remember what it was. But, so... Typical. T- typical man. Got the Legos out. We're building stuff on the TV. Got the games. Be able to flip around. Watching Braves Cubs last night. That was What are you building? Outstanding. She has a lot. She has a lot of the princess Legos, so she's got... Like castles and stuff? Yeah, she's, okay. she's got like an Aladdin set, and she's got a Frozen set, and she's got all the... I was going to say, how creative ones. can you be while you're sitting there watching watching like a bunch of baseball games? Well, you don't have to be creative because it tells you what to do. That's God, what I like. Yeah, 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 that's, yeah. yeah it's you get smart. The inst- you get the instruction guide, and you're good to go. And that's, smart. That's how you do it. All right, L.I. need to find this piece. And then there's lots of those little pieces, and it takes her a couple minutes to find that little piece, and then Dad puts it on, and I watch the game in between. Maybe not my best parenting. I I don't know, man. I don't know. But I had to work. That's smart. I mean, that Ken isn't here. I can't, I couldn't lean on Ken, so I had to hit everything. And it was though it was fun watching my twins dominate. It was Cubs brace for me. That game is a good just, game. Yeah, it had a playoff feel to it. The environment was cool. The jerseys were awful. Both teams wearing blue tops. Come on, it, be better. Than that's that. weak. Weak sauce. And speaking of that, I saw on Twitter last night. Apparently, this is the first time in over a decade that the Cubs have wore. They're blue tops. They're alternate blue tops at home at Wrigley. I was shocked by that. What? Yes. It feels like they wear it. No. But it's normally on the road. No. There's there's no way that stat is correct. uh, The people that I follow on Twitter, I believe, wasn't retweeted by some goofball. It was beat writers, guys that are there every day. I think it was John Greenberg of The Athletic had something. What? Yeah. Since 2007 or 2008, the Cubs beat writers couldn't even remember Exact time, the last time they wore those So they tops. apparently were letting Alfonso Soriano pick out the outfits right. back when he was playing for the Cubs with that yeah. gigantic free agent contract. And, and since then, they have not thrown on the blue alternates at home. At home. Now, see, uh, around that era, they debuted, maybe it was a little bit later, it was like 2009 or 10, they debuted those grays that said Cubs on the front yes. instead of the Chicago ones. Mm-hmm. And I thought those looked good. You did. I hated the font. 
Now the I, font thought, I thought I thought I thought it was good. I thought I liked the big block letters. I liked the Cubs across the chest because they don't have a uniform that does that. Mm-hmm. I liked it. I thought it was cool and it stood out. It was different. A lot of teams don't have their team name like that on their road uniform. Right. And apparently it was an homage to like it was similar to like something they had worn back in like the twenties or thirties. And after like two years, they stopped wearing it. Like like those are obsolete now. Like I don't know. There's something about that uniform and. and I, I would prefer they brought something like that back. The blue alternate just doesn't do it for me. No, no. No. It, like, blue's everybody. Like, yeah, I know everybody wears white and gray. I get it. But, yeah. like, you can be creative with those in your own certain way, like the light blue that the Phillies and the Cardinals are bringing back uh, that are similar to the grays, right? Like, if you're the Cubs, bring that gray back. Get rid of this blue thing. Be the first team to wear gray at home for once. That would, that would be a good way to go. Well, doesn't Arizona kind of wear it's a they, it's, it's they're, that dark their set is charcoal gray. That their set, yeah, like that's the darkest gray I think I've ever seen on a baseball uniform. Yeah. Their whole set, and then they have like both their home and road. They have both like the red, mm-hmm. like the burgundy as the secondary, and then they have the teal ones too. And I don't know where that came from, but they're odd. Like, but they stand out. Like, they do. They, yeah. They, yes. You know, when you see them, you don't see very many Diamondbacks gear around here, but you know what it is. Absolutely. Where Cubs, I mean, how many teams are just blue and red in general? Braves Almost everybody, yeah, right? Yeah, right. So, stand out, and that's what Arizona did. Well, speaking of standing out, last night, Okuna begins the ball game with a bomb, mm-hmm. and it's like, strap in, here we go, this is going to be... That guy's so good. Albert Alzale was going to... Alzale. That's the official pronunciation. Oh, oh Albert Azalai. Azalai. Ah. How about this, though, for Acuna? Led off with 12 home runs in his career. Which is, he, how old is he? Like 23? He's 21. What? He's 21 years old. Still 21. Where's, where's Jose Arana to throw a ball at him? Already tied for 73rd on the career list for leadoff home runs. Oh, he's, he's going to get up there. He's as long as they have him leading off. Right, right. And that's more than likely he's probably gonna end up being number three hitter. You'd figure down the probably road. Probably should be, right? You want the guy to have an opportunity to drive and run. Yes, and in the National League that's gonna be the case. But that kid is ridiculous. But on the other side, Adbert Alzali, he was ridiculous too. After that, he settled in, got a little bit wild. You could tell by the end he was absolutely tanked, but I think this is what all Cubs fans had been hoping for. Twenty four years old. You don't have anything better. Yes. And, and with Hendricks on the DL, you Darvish will go today. You're still not overly confident with John Lester. And, and this is a part two where this is a possibility where you could skip a couple of starts, put a guy on a 10-day DL with inflammation. IL. IL. Every time. Every time. That's my favorite thing to do now. On every show that I appear on, I, uh, I have to correct somebody at least once on IL. that. The injured list. Yes. They're not disabled. They're, they're, they're injured. injured. Yeah. IL. But IL. put them on there. Skip a start. Lester gets 10 days off in August, or whoever it may be. Smart. It, that, Keep that, those weights down. It, it's a great way to manage what is, I mean, it, it's kind of shaky all the way through. You're not mm-hmm. exactly sure. Like, you don't have that knockout dude that is at the top of that rotation. I feel like the White Sox, uh, Giolito hasn't had a couple of great starts mm-hmm. here recently, but I feel more confident that Giolito goes out there, and he's our shutdown, no doubt, ace, where the Cubs, it's just like, at any given point, three or four different guys might be going the best, and it might not even be that good. So maybe Azulai is, is one of those dudes that can, can shore that up a little bit, and now, like you said, they have, without even making a deal for an extra arm, 
they have six or seven guys that could go get him a start and be a reasonable major league starter for five or six innings. So much different watching the Braves now compared to, what, 10, 12 years ago when the TBS deal went away, when it seemed like I watched them all the time. It would just be part of that rotation that you'd get into, and it's not anymore. It's local teams. It's Twins, Cubs, Cardinals, Royals if they're good, Brewers here the last couple of years. Mm White Sox. Thank you. They're they're much easier to digest these days with Jason Benetti, who is excellent, as opposed to Hawk Harrelson, who is god awful. God awful to maybe you, a Twins fan. Well, no, no it, taking the Twins aside, now he's just bad. He's not bad. Okay, he was bad. Okay, so so as a broadcaster, and we both love broadcasting, yes, yes. and we're both play by play guys, so we we get it right. And so I have a lot of bias here, obviously. Mm-hmm. And as a broadcaster, from broadcaster to broadcaster, horrible. Like, like definitely one of the worst broadcasters you could possibly listen to as a professional broadcaster, mm-hmm. not having any attachment to the team. But when I, when I was stretch, stretch, get up. He looks up. You can put it on the body. Yes, mercy. <laughs> okay, so hell yeah. Okay, so, but as a twelve-year-old. Learning oh, the game yeah. of baseball, right? And I love the White Sox. I was drawn to them. And one of the reasons why was because Hawk. The, the Hawkism. He gone. Chopper to Hopper. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Gas. You know, like all that stuff. It's his stuff, right? Right size, wrong shape. You know, on a deep foul ball, it just misses, right? Like the, like, the guy was great, but he also broke down the game so scientifically. And that's what people don't really right. give him credit for. They get, they, they're they like, oh, they get caught up in the catchphrases and him cheering for the White Sox so heavily every broadcast. But people don't understand. I learned almost everything, not just broadcasting-wise, but just how important certain things in the game are. Mm-hmm. Like like little nuances of the game that if you're just watching the game, like Benetti and Steve Stone, who are our new guys, and Benetti as a broadcaster to broadcaster, excellent broadcaster. But... They don't go into like that science. Like Steve Stone can do that with pitchers. He can talk about like why certain things. Like Blake Snell, they they got into a topic when we saw the Twins absolutely lighting up the, the Rays last night. They started talking about why Snell's not the same as he was last year. And Steve Stone's like that foot makes a huge difference because mm-hmm. he injured his foot. He's like it changes everything. As soon as your foot is not feeling right, you're going to adjust your motion to try to take some pain off of that. That changes your entire like everything about your motion changes, and just learning some of those nuances hawk did that every facet of the game base running batting fielding coaching mm-hmm. and as a 12 13 year old sports geek i love I, w- I was just salivating because every game i'd learned something new and hawk would teach me so he basically taught me baseball as a broadcaster yes horrible but as a baseball man uh, awesome amazing jason benetti is my man i i really I love enjoy too. He, he has a really good call speaking of calls last night during the update the Royals had the grand slam to take the lead against Hunter the Indians. Hunter Dozier. 13th homer of the year for him. Now, you as a play-by-play guy, me as a play-by-play guy, got a little perturbed. You didn't like the yelling. Not the yelling. I'm, I'm fine with the yelling. In fact, the color, not, the color guy jumping, jumping over the top saying, oh, oh. You, you nailed it. You nailed it. And, and I think, and I'm not positive, but I, I think that was Rex Hudler, who is part of the Royals broadcast team. I think that's who it was. You just, you don't do that. I understand an exciting moment. There hasn't been a whole lot of exciting moments in Royals baseball this year. They hit the halfway point. That's probably the highlight of the year for them. Absolutely. But let the announcer have the play. Have the call. Let them do their thing. And then let your oohs and oohs go. I, I agree with you. I've been 
I call play and play by play. And granted, I well, my color guys are not broadcasters. Mm-hmm. They're unknowledgeable guys that I think I'd have fun calling games with, and yeah. I did. You know, shout out to all those guys down in Ottumwa, Davis County, Van Buren, Oskaloosa that I've had the privilege of calling games with. Um, and most of them had that where something would happen and they'd have to say it. Yeah. They just had to say it. No matter what was going on, they had to say it. I've had a couple of guys even start calling the play-by-play yeah, yeah. after that. They're so excited. Like, they're giving the score and everything. And it's just like, and I, you know, I, I would sit back, but I, I wasn't too upset about it because I knew these guys are not clinically trained. Now, Major League Broadcast. Yes. There's got to be some level of professionalism and, I don't mind natural reactions, but when you're listening to it, like I'm watching it on television, mm-hmm. I don't mind that. I kind of like uh, Home Run Derby last year. I don't know if you yes, saw. Yes. Uh, okay, so Benetti was doing ESPN's uh, Statcast coverage with Eduardo Perez. So it was Benetti and Perez calling the Home Run Derby, and you know Ravitch and the other guys were doing the regular ESPN. But I was watching the Statcast because Benetti was on th- on the Statcast. So Benetti and Eduardo both start going bonkers when Harper's coming back on Schwarber at yeah. the end of the home run derby, and I was getting chills, like like being able to watch it and them just both they could just be like, and another one, oh, oh my goodness, this is unbelievable. Here he comes! Like they're just talking over each other the whole time, but it added to that moment. When I'm listening to it, I don't have the visual in front of me. Mm-hmm. I need the play-by-play guy to give me the call. Then. Color guy can can go ahead and give me that. It probably sounds great to a fan, right? Right. You know, like like that kind of excitement. But as a because baseball, they're feeling the same thing, right? But as a baseball guy or a broadcaster on radio, especially, you just can't have that. Yeah, radio and TV, it is a different feel. You're absolutely right, and I think you put it perfectly there when you said just you don't have the visual, and it's on radio when you're listening to the audio of it. It has that different feel. It's shut up, let the play by play guy do his do his job, and then you can jump in. And then you can be excited. You can hoot and holler and do whatever you want. But during that time, that's a play-by-play guy. That was uh, two play-by-play broadcasters complaining about something that most nobody cares about. Yeah, but but at the same time, this is exactly what sets Miller and Condon apart, is the fact that we dig into these, like, I told you, it's not the A role that we get to (laughs) on Miller and Condon. We can dig down to the D role. But that's, that's the thing, though. You and I can totally relate to that because... It is, especially when you're doing audio mm-hmm. only. It is a radio broadcast. I, as a, you got to assume that the listener is going to be completely overwhelmed with how much they're hearing. You've got to be able to deliver the information and then react. So let's go back to the A-roll, and that is the best team in the American League, the Minnesota Twins. Best team how, exactly? Well, they don't have the best record anymore. No, they still do. Still have the best record in the American League by half game over the Yankees. Okay, the Yankees so, are a better team. Okay, I get it. Okay, and then the Astros are fifty and thirty. So like Who won right the behind the series, four to three, and they weren't even healthy. Just now, the Astros and Yankees are starting to get healthy, and they're right already right there. Who has better run differential? It doesn't matter. Who are you playing? The Indians are the best team in your division. Yeah, the, the White Sox, Tigers, and Royals are are not the consistency of great baseball. I think that. Uh, we can all agree on that. Oh uh, yeah. The Royals can. and Tigers are both 20 they're, they're 23 and 24 games out. You know who's played the a worse schedule in the American League than the Twins? The Yankees. Yeah, well okay, are you going to get the Orioles? Are the you Blue gonna, Jays themselves? Yeah, but the Rays and Red Sox are clearly better than anybody the Twins are playing in their division. Eh, barely. 
Come on. At least by record. No, barely ser- by record, sure, but come on. In all seriousness, and he brought up Blake Snell a little bit earlier in dealing with that Floyd injury. Watching him last night, boy, I mean, a completely different guy than he was a year ago. He just needs to sit and get that thing 100%. Y- you would think so. That- that's got to be the right course of action for him because— They're already good even with him, like, yeah. struggling like they- this. They can find a way. You-, you can battle your way through, put him on the I.L., See that? Got Good. It. Nice. You learn. Give him 10 days. Maybe it's 15, whatever it is, but try to a get month him even. right. Yes. And you have a shot because that wild card spot's still going to be there. What What is to get the second wild card? How many games do you have to win in the American League? Well, they didn't get it winning 90 last year. Right. So they got to think 94. See, I don't think it's going to be that many. I thought that's more of a fluke year. Two years previous. The Twins got the second wild card. It was like 86. Card. Yeah, and the, the second team that was below them, that was chasing them, was the Angels, who didn't even have a winning record. Yeah. So, yeah, well, that's the interesting thing, though, with the Rangers and the A's, mm-hmm. and then the Angels are also playing a little bit better. This could get a little dicey, right? We'll if see what if the Indians are. If you're the Rays, and even in the Indians as well. The Indians, though, have so many injuries that I just don't see them being able to hang around for the long term unless they can make some deals. But there are enough teams just kind of lurking now that seem to have not – they don't have complete teams, and I don't expect anybody to really compete with the Yankees or the Astros to the end of it, and that includes the Twins. <laughs> they all could be in that mix at like in your 86-92 to 92 win range. So that's why I think 93-94 has probably got to be the goal if you want to assure yourself of playoff positioning. And I think it's possible for Tampa what we're all – we are, they're two games shy of halfway, and they're already at 45 wins. And that's with three and seven in their last 10 games, and with their Cy Young Award winner, almost a, a shell of his former self, a shadow of his former self. So um, they definitely have gotten some good production from a lot of different dudes, Charlie Morton being the first of which, right? Like he's, yeah. a, he could be, he could be the American League starter in the All Star game. Pretty good trade there as they trade. How do they do that? They it's always the do that. It's a team you stay away from. Just don't trade with them. Because they always win. Yes. Okay, they, and like their best hitters. Like, Let's talk about who their best hitters are. Would you pay any of these guys big money? Tommy Pham. No. Avaciel Garcia. No. Brandon Lowe. All right. Austin Meadows is a prospect, so like you can't like get mad about that or anything. But uh, one of their guys with the best war is Kevin Kiermeyer. We didn't know this guy could hit at all. He's a great defender. We yes, knew that, yes. but he's hitting two fifty right now. He's got eight bombs, thirty two knocked in. Choi, G Man Choi, the big boy, big boy Choi. Yandy Diaz is batting over two eighty. I it it defies logic what they do every single year. 90 wins last year. Willie Adamas. Like, who are these dudes? Dudes that can play baseball. And on the cheap. Yes. It's crazy. Now let's go ahead and pack them up and move them to Montreal because nobody will go out and watch them. But, like, at the same time, holy cow, dude, if they can get anything out of Snell, maybe make one of those deadline deals for kind of that under-the-radar arm mm-hmm. that, that can help uh, stabilize that pitching staff as we move forward, There, there's a really good chance this team can be a 95-win team, but... With all these other American League teams that are still hanging around, it could be danger time if they don't let Snell just get himself right. I would really like to see the Rays in a one-game playoff too to see if they go with an opener. You know, if they put Stanek out there, totally would. I think I think whatever the odds would be on that, yeah. wouldn't be enough for me to not bet it. Like I would bet that one hundred twenty percent and put him there in the wild card game. You win that, and then also put him out there game one of the DS. 
Total. I, I just I just want to see and it. then and then games two and three. Let's yes. see you have a healthy Blake Snell. You go yep. Snell and Morton. I mean, like it sets up for a lot of different. Because let's be honest, beyond Snell and Morton, and this is no disrespect to guys like Yanni Torinos, who, you know, Yanni hasn't been terrible this season so far. If you're looking at their their dudes, and then Tyler Glasnow, you know, who very well could mm-hmm. you know get it going again toward the end of the season when he's back on the major league roster. Like when we take a look at this this team, I feel more confident getting like the middle three or four innings out of those guys, and letting Snell and Morton try to get me those seven inning those rare seven inning outings for starters in the playoffs now, and utilize these bullpen arms they've been able to like figure out how to use with that opener and just decide when am I going to slide this starter who will technically be a long reliever where do I slide him in for three or four innings. And you never let anybody get to a third time through the order. It, they are always thinking ahead of the curve. And they change baseball. Mm-hmm. They, they took the money ball thing to a completely different level. Well, we will keep an eye on that. You mentioned Glass now. I saw yesterday shut down. He was making his way back after having a forearm injury. Had a setback there. That is uh, certainly a big blow That's for th- the race. three more weeks before he could even start rehabbing. Yes. But... They're trying to get him right. Young guy, talk mm-hmm. about winning a trade. They got him in the, the Archer deal, and yep. this guy is showing that he is legit, as good as he was toward the end of last season. I mean, you got to really invest in this guy. Uh, on the road so far this season, um, a .70 ERA, Jeez. a .66 whip, 34 strikeouts, three walks. That's in 25 and two-thirds innings. Sign up for that. Anybody would sign up for those numbers. Wow! Now you got to get them right. Yeah, you, you that's in Snell too. I, yes, you cannot take this for granted, and it might cost you the playoffs this year. But they've already re-signed Snell for the long term. So, right now, get your guys healthy, and maybe you can make a run at this thing. Emery Sonner, we need a break. We'll come back, and we're going to change the conversation into some college football, basketball, and a lot of recruiting. Alex Halstead's going to be joining us. CycloneAlert.com. We'll get into Iowa State, the big weekend that was for them on the recruiting front. Dead period now upon us, though kids still can commit. Coaches cannot make uh, phone calls to prospects here over the next month. So we'll talk about this period, what's happening with Iowa State recruiting. Get some insight into the newest members of the recruiting class. That's coming up next. Some Cyclone Talk with Alex Halstead as we continue. It's Miller and Condon. Keep up with KXNO on Twitter and Facebook. Go to KXNO.com to learn more. From 1460 KXNO. Welcome back here. Miller and Connor continues on KXNO. Emery Songer in for Ken today. Going to be back with us tomorrow starting at 10 o'clock. Emery, you are a Cyclone fan, so you got to help me out here. Iowa State, you're a Southeast Iowa guy. Yeah. Where you grew up. Yep. Cyclones. I mean, it, it feels like at least from everybody I know from that area, there's one direction to go. It's being a Hawkeye fan. You, not so much. It, it's a it's a weird minority, and I guess I have this complex. My parents did not go to either Iowa or Iowa State. They have no collegiate allegiance, if you uh, want to put that put it in those terms. Mm-hmm. So I was not raised, much like my baseball taste. My dad, a Cubs fan. My mom, a Cardinals fan. But neither of them were diehard enough to like try to sway me their direction. I kind of figured things out myself. Much like with this current debate, the Hawkeyes and Cyclones. Uh, as a kid, I had a lot of Hawkeye stuff, mostly Hawkeye stuff, in fact, and I do fancy a good cheer for the Iowa Haw- Hawkeyes when they're not playing Iowa State. I'm one of those guys. You're a dual fan. Right, but I, as I've gotten older, I have been able, I kind of have respected 
how Iowa State goes about their business a little bit more, not only the athletic department, but the school. Mm-hmm. Had more friends who went to Iowa State after I went to college. Okay. Um, and then, of course, especially when I moved to the Metro here in the last couple of years, really have gotten attached to what's going on in Ames, mainly because of proximity, right? I yeah, can go to yeah. Iowa State events fairly regularly, and it's a little bit more of a trek to Iowa City. So, um, I don't know. I just kind of like the little brother complex, I guess. You know, you can look at, you know, most of the teams that I, I like. I yeah. kind of like cheering for the team that is the underdog. They, they, they don't win a whole lot, but uh, when they do win, it is really fruitful and exciting and fun to be a part of. Looks like it has a chance to be that kind of season, one of those fruitful seasons for Iowa State football. Joining us right now from CycloneAlert.com, it is Alex Halstead, 24 7 Sports. Alex, a busy week here for you. Goes from very quiet to every, all of a sudden. Everybody wants to commit to the Cyclones. How are you? I'm doing good, yeah. It's, I'm kind of in a mix of that in-between of recruiting and now football. I saw the FanDuel put out its over-unders yesterday, and Iowa State, I think, was at eight from FanDuel. And then, like you mentioned, with uh, recruiting, five commitments since last Thursday. So that class is quickly um, starting to build. I think one of the uh, biggest names certainly on there is Hunter Deckers, the kid from up in northwest Iowa at Wesu Haywarden High School. He is a kid that... It's kind of burst onto the seed here over the last couple of months. He went to the lead 11. He has been a guy that has continued to pile up some big-time offers, but both the big in-state schools here already had their commitment at the quarterback position for the 2020 class, and a lot of people just assumed that he was going to be a guy that's going to leave the state. Iowa has Deuce Hogan down in Texas that is committed for this class. Aiden Bowman from Minnesota, he's been committed to Iowa State for a number of years. That's where it looked like it was trending. Instead, Iowa State makes the decision they're going to bring in two quarterbacks for this class. A little bit of a surprise. Tell us how it came together. Yeah, this was kind of a two-pronged thing with Hunter Deckers, and you guys were just talking before I came on about where kids are located. This kid's from West Sioux, and he's almost in South Dakota. I looked it up, and he's like 15 miles from Blake Peterson, who they got in the last class from Beresford, South Dakota. So he's basically on the border, and you never know who those kids grow up rooting for either. And you know, this is a kid that, like you said, I they had Aiden Bowman committed in the class for a year now, a six foot five uh, lefty who I would say has really, really liked. But they've been pondering the idea of potentially taking a second quarterback for a little while. That room is a little bit in flux. You know, you've got Brock Purdy at the top, but there's still a lot of questions or at least competition behind them. And they started feeling like they might want a second quarterback. Hunter Deckers came to Iowa State's camp on June 8th. Um, I was there for that camp. Uh, he's another lefty, six foot two, probably about 220 pounds. Uh, but at that camp, he ran a, ran a four six four forty. So even at that size, he's got some you know athleticism and speed, at least to be able to get out of the pocket a little bit. And so Aiden Bowman's more of this pocket quarterback, a big tall lefty, whereas Deckers is more of a dual dual threat guy. You know, um, this year with a good senior season, could become the first quarterback in the state of Iowa ever to pass for ten thousand yards in a career. So he's got a really good arm, uh, but he, he's also rushed for five hundred plus yards last year. And so I think. The comparison internally for Iowa State, at least stylistically, is Joel Lanning. Um, but from people I've talked to, he's a little bit more advanced with his arm than Joel Lanning was coming out of high school. So it's not just uh, Deckers, though. That is a part of it. A, a big week, four guys over a five-day period. Let's start at the beginning of this since the last time we talked. And Aiden Bitter, a kid from up uh, down in Florida, wide receiver, good size, six foot three. What can you tell us about him? Yeah, this kid is an example of, you know, Matt Campbell now is, is a lot more competitive against Power 5 schools, you know, getting kids away from uh, 
schools in the Midwest or wherever, you know, in terms of just winning more Power Five battles. But Aiden Bitter's an example of still, you know, if Iowa State wants to have success, they're still going to have to find some of these under the radar kids, and that's what they think uh, Bitter is. You know, he's six foot two and a half, but he's got a wingspan of six five, and I think the thing that you see with him and that Iowa State liked about him is his track results. He runs a fourteen five three in the hundred ten hurdles plus. Uh, I think 22-8 in the long jump and a 6-8 high jumper. And so they combine those things to project him out to be a good outside receiver for them. And, um, you know, doesn't have any other Power 5 offers, but they were comfortable in that evaluation. And I think, you know, like I said, they still have to be able to find some of those kids uh, early and, you know, combine that with beating some other Power 5 schools in some of these other races that they've won recently. Yeah, Alex, I think one of the things that, as an Iowa State fan right now, it seems like we need to strike while the iron is hot. Uh, as just, if I take you know the the sense out of me, I, I don't want to make it sound like fans don't have a lot of sense, but we don't know how many years Matt Campbell will be the head coach, or uh, you know how good Brock Purdy potentially could be. We have so many good guys on both sides of the football, whether they're you know along the lines or in skill positions. The recruiting classes continue to improve. It seems like we're kind of in strike while the iron is hot mode. So when you're talking about some of these young guys, we did see some freshmen and sophomores making big contributions last year for the Cyclones in what was a really nice season. How many of these guys do you think are going to be immediate contributors uh, coming in as first-year players for the Cyclones this year? Yeah, I think when you look at the 2019 class, the class that just arrived a week or so ago, there's going to be several from that class even. I think, you know, Jirel Brock and Brees Hall at running back. I think Ashim Young at safety is going to get a shot early. Um, I think there could be a handful of guys, and especially with the new redshirt rule. Last year, Iowa State played 10 true freshmen and at least, you know, anywhere from one game to, you know, burning their redshirt. So it's going to become more prevalent, I think, for Matt Campbell to play some of those true freshmen, and I think especially at those skill positions. When you look at guys in this 2020 class, they've got 13 commits right now. You know, Juco wide receiver Xavier Hutchinson, who they just picked up um, on Monday over, you know, Utah, Arizona State, TCU, Illinois. You know, he's a kid that's going to come in mid-year, Six three. He's not a freshman, obviously, but he's got two years of eligibility, and so his thing is going to be coming in and you know filling the void of Deshante Jones and Michael Petway after that season. So, you know, right now it's kind of a combination. I think early on uh, in this class, a lot of these guys probably will register because you look at four offensive linemen, two quarterbacks. Um, those are guys that are probably going to register um, just because those are more developmental positions. But you know, some of these receivers and some of these skill positions are guys that. I think Iowa State's going to give a shot. We've seen them, you know, under the last few years under Matt Campbell. He's willing to put Mike Rose out there or put some of these defensive backs out there if they prove they can play early in their career. Class currently ranked 34th in the country, 5th in the Big 12 for 2020. Mentioned some of those other guys, Johnny Wilson from down in Kansas City. They get him over Kansas and Missouri, able to pluck him out of there. Sam Rangert from Ohio had some nice offers, and then a junior college receiver in Xavier Hutchinson. Of that group, who do you think was the biggest get? That's a good question. I'd probably go with Johnny Wilson, just because I think this is going to be the most critical position in this class. Um, you know, after this coming season, they lose four defensive linemen, and this is a class where they need to load up at that spot. You know, they could take uh, for sure two defensive ends. They might take as many as three defensive ends, and probably a couple defensive tackles because you're losing Greg Lima, Jamal Johnson, Jaquan Bailey, and Matt Leo, and so. Those guys aren't necessarily going to come in, but scholarship-wise, you got to fill those and start developing. Uh, Johnny Wilson's a guy that you said there, you know, ended up picking Iowa State over Missouri and Kansas, but throughout the process also had offers from Iowa and Arkansas and some others. And so this was a kid that they really had targeted since last April. They were his first offer 
and had been doing work on that recruitment for more than a year. So I think that's probably the biggest one. But in talking to some of our analysts, Sam Rengert, um, we have a high three-star, and a lot of people think he's a little bit um, overlooked, you know, a six-foot-seven tackle. And that's – I think we've talked about on this show before, those offensive tackles are one of the hardest positions to find because everybody needs them. And uh, it's, it's a little bit easier to, you know, plug in a guard than a tackle. And I think it's always big for Iowa State to get um, a tackle body, especially when you're beating schools like – West Virginia and Virginia for them. Okay, so as again, I'm going to put my fan hat back on. Trent's been been killing it with the the recruit <laughs> drops, but as my as a fan, you know, in, in listening to that, a lot of great information, a lot of upside, of course. Uh, numbers even like the 34th best in in the country in terms of recruiting class is something Iowa State fans aren't typically uh, accustomed to. So. When you look at this Big 12 landscape, as, as Trent said, you know, still kind of in the middle in terms of the recruiting class, what do you think the biggest edges are in terms of uh, units going into this season that the Cyclones have that they should stick out as one of the top two or three best units at their positions in this Big 12 trying to get the Cyclones back into the mix for a Big 12 title game this year? Yeah, I think you could probably point to defense for both of them. Uh, I think a lot of people think Iowa State may have the best defensive line in in the Big 12 entering entering the season. Uh, you look at a lot of these national publications, they're putting out their early All-Big 12 teams. We'll see what the media's All-Big 12 team is, I think, next month going into Big 12 media days. But both Ray Lehman and Jaquan Bailey have shown up almost unanimous, unanimously on a lot of these All-Big 12 preseason lists. So to have two of the four preseason All-Big 12 defensive linemen on your roster, I think, um, certainly puts that position as one of their top positions in, and, you know, they return every single start from last year on the defensive line. So that's going to be a key area for them. And I think you move back another layer to linebacker. Uh, you have Mike Rose, who started all 13 games last year. You have Marcel Spears, who started every game the last two years. Um, you know, the biggest question there is, like, who fills that third spot? Is it, you know, retro freshman Will McDonald or is someone else step up? But I think, you know, they feel really good about their front. It's really a front six for them because it's a 3-3-5 defense. But I think those are two areas. I think offensive line still has to prove itself, but they do return 114 um, career starts. I think that's top five in college football. And so if nothing else, they're experienced on the offensive line, and um, they still have to probably prove a little bit. But Matt Campbell thought that Alamo Bowl was the best performance since he's been at Iowa State, other than uh, all the false starts. You know, Alex, it's been a very quiet off season. There just hasn't been a ton of news coming out on the football front. Expectations are there, both on the local level, they're always there with Iowa State fans, a, a bunch that always believes in their team. But local media, regional media, national media continue to talk about this team. It's Texas, Oklahoma. They're going to be the favorites. But then it's Iowa State, I think pretty much to a T for most everybody, uh, picking that third spot in the Big 12 this year. This quiet off season, good thing, concerning. What have you been able to nab, if anything, talking to people out and about this summer? It's probably a good thing from the standpoint of we're not talking about you know guys transferring out of the program or anything. Yeah. You know the the only news that's really happened in the last few months is they've added guys like the Michael Petway from Arkansas or Justin Dickham from Rice, um, and so I think that that part's a positive. Um, you know I think they feel really good about the roster that they have and you know their whole slogan this year is obviously prove it because I think you know like Matt Campbell said it, when they those first years they had success it was like they had to prove to people that they were better than the expectations. Now they have to prove they're as good as people are saying because. Uh, we talked about, you know, I think the over-unders been right around eight wins. Um, I, I saw, I think you guys even retweeted it um, from your uh, account yesterday. You know, them and I were both at 7.9 wins in ESPN's FPI. You know, 
in basically back-to-back in the strength of schedule. You know, there's a lot of expectations going into the season for them to be an eight-win team, and uh, you know that's the highest number we've seen out of Vegas in quite a while. And so I think they have to be able to prove that, and um, that's kind of their biggest thing right now. But you know, there's going to be some questions going into the season, running back and receiver. Uh, but they feel they have talent at both positions. It's just um, so far unproven. Okay, Alex, one guy who you think is going to make a leap this season and really could uh, put himself in the mix as one of the most important players for the Cyclones this year? Um, that's a really good question. There's there's a few different guys. I think this one is not going out too much on a limb because he did did uh, do some stuff for Iowa State last year, but I think Creek Milton's going to take a big step and um, become Iowa State's for sure number one receiver and be a guy that puts up a lot of big numbers. You know, he, he was obviously up there in those receiving categories last year right behind Hakeem Butler, but now he's got to step up and be the guy He's probably going to move out to the X receiver position. And so I think, you know, he's one guy offensively that I, I could really see taking that big step and, you know, being Brock Purdy's big weapon. But, you know, those tight ends, I think, too, it's going to be important for them because you lose 152 targets from last year between Hakeem Butler and Matthew Eaton. Somebody's got to take them, and I'm not sure they're all going to go to receiver. So can Chase Allen and Charlie Kohler step up? I think that's going to be an important piece of their offense. CycloneAlert.com. It's Alex Halstead joining us here. You can find tons of information on all the recruits, all the summer storylines, and, of course, Alex will be down in Dallas for Big 12 Media Days less than a month away. And find it at CycloneAlert.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. All right, Alex, jumping into basketball before we run out of time. It is the Cap City League. There's guys going off for ridiculous numbers. You don't want to read too much into it, but I'm sure you made it over a time or two to Valley Southwoods, the freshman school in West Des Moines. What's jumped out? What have you seen out of the newcomers? What has been the summer storyline for you on the hoops front? Yeah, I'm actually over two and getting over oh, no. far, but I'm gonna be I'm gonna be over there soon. And I do get all the box scores after every game, though. And I think Prentice Nixon on Sunday took 30 shots. So it's like uh, these are like James Harden, James Harden like <laughs> uh, stat lines. But um, you know, just from from the surface, you know, I think uh, there's a there's someone over there that tweets out all these highlights. You know, I think the biggest storyline, obviously, is, you know, there right now is probably Prentice Nixon because who who's going to kind of step up and be that next guy um, for them? I think there's a lot of expectations coming out of Iowa State really since April, May, when we started hearing about Nixon that I think they think he could be a real impact player. And so when you put him along Tyrese Halliburton, who obviously is not in the Cap City League because, you know, he's now over in Greece with Team USA, you know, those two guys are going to be important pieces um, with Halliburton taking a big step, but Nixon – um, being a guy that can step up. I think defensively he's going to be big, um, but he's been able to show a little offense, as much as you can show in the Cap City League. And I think uh, he's one of the big storylines. Um, you know, freshman-wise, we haven't really got to talk to the freshmen yet, but that should be coming soon before they go overseas um, or go on their foreign trip to Italy. So it's uh, going to be a long summer still in front of us. Basketball, I saw over at 24-7 Sports, I don't remember who the writer was, but I saw an article up talking about Ranking 1 through 10, the Big 12 for next season. Texas Tech at the top, not Kansas, which have been obviously a birthright uh, over the last 14 years until Tech got them a year ago. Texas at number 10, that was eye-opening certainly to see that. But Iowa State at 6. Do you think that's a, a fair spot for them right now during the summer when you look at Iowa State hoops? 6 in the Big 12? I think 6 is probably kind of their their hope. I mean, they, they obviously internally have expectations higher than that, but I think fans would probably take six with 
the roster turnover. I could see them really anywhere from like that six to eight spot because I think we know some of the pieces they have, but there's still all these lingering questions. What what can Prentice Dixon do? Will Rashier Bolton be eligible? You know, if he's eligible, that completely changes the roster. Whereas if he's not eligible, you know, that's one less you know contributing score. You know, a guy that averaged double figures last year at Penn State. So. I think those are two big questions, and I think the other thing is they do expect a couple of these freshmen to at least contribute something, but we don't know who it's going to be. Is it going to be you know, Caleb Grill? Is it going to be Trey Jackson? I think Trey Jackson maybe has one of the best shots to play because um, he's a pretty good shooter and adds that you know, perimeter shooting for them. Um, but I think there's just so many unanswered questions, and even going into Italy here um, you know, a little bit later this, this uh, summer, you know, Prohm said he's going to have to play with different lineups. He's going to play with big lineups. He's going to play with small lineups because while they like some of the pieces they have, I think there's just so many unknowns of what style they're going to be. And for that reason, I think that's hard to predict. But I think six to eight is probably where I would vote them uh, if I had to put out a media poll right now. Thank goodness. Big lineups. They got bigs this year. I wanted to see it last year. Last, it never happened. Play around a little bit more, and uh, we're going to see that this summer. Alex Halstead, 24-7 Sports, CycloneAlert.com. Alex, uh, subscribers, a lot of people starting to jump in right now. Let them know a little bit more about the website and what they can find with you at CycloneAlert.com. Yeah, you know, it's a combination. Obviously, I cover Iowa State football and basketball. You know, go into press conferences and practice and games and all that. But, you know, 24-7 sports is heavy on the recruiting side, and so it's been busy for me there. And so that's kind of the membership component, uh, you know, whether it's war rooms on who Iowa State's looking at or updates which recruits. Um, there's always some way to get in cheaper, and uh, right now I think it's people can sign up for one dollar for a month, and that's kind of just the way to get in and at least see what it's like if you like it or not. And then I think it's thirty percent off for a year, so there's always some sort of way to get in for the first time. And I think right now people can get in for a dollar. There, you know, like I said, we just talked about all those recruits. There's 13 commits in 2020, um, but you know, Blaze Gunderson from Carroll Kemper is going to be deciding between Iowa State and Nebraska soon. And there's some other kids near decisions. They probably still have you know, seven to nine guys that they could still add to this class. So um, they're not quite done yet. Good stuff. Thanks for your time as always, Alex. Be good. Yeah, thanks, guys. Alex Halstead joining us. Find him on Twitter at Alex Halstead. We need a break. We're running behind. We'll get to it coming up here. Put a cap on our number one. Still a lot more to come. We're going to talk more college football, maybe a more overarching. And yesterday, more over-unders released in college football. You know, that's near and dear to my heart. Emery and I are also going to talk a little bit about the MLB All-Star Game, maybe how we're going to vote in it, and a whole lot more as we continue. Miller and Condon, until noon on 1460. In Hawaii. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, Emery, we are back here. Just a quick segment before we get back to the top of the hour college football talk. Over-unders released by FanDuel yesterday. We'll get into them. Yeah, uh, we got to talk about them. Iowa, Iowa State, we'll talk about that. And some of the uh, other ones that certainly jumped off the page. That's coming up in the next hour. A lot of college football. We got some baseball to get into. MLB All-Star voting begins. But story we haven't touched on yet here in our final couple of minutes. Bob Lee announcing his retirement from ESPN. 40 years as an anchor. He has been there from the get-go. He is one of the uh, pioneers of that. Bob Lee, a guy that is It's difficult to find many people that have a negative thing to say about Bob Lee in a world of hot take artists and the like, a true professional in sports media. Here's the thing with Bob Lee. 
he could anchor your sports center and it be informative and entertaining still with the highlights. Mm-hmm. He was the anchor for outside the lines, get serious with topics and really investigate some things that were happening in sports. Also, he's a guy who never would he would take the facts and deliver them to you in a compelling way. He knew ways to relay information and as you said, as consummate a professional as there is in Sports media. So this is a big loss. He's been on leave for a while, so we haven't seen him on television yep. for a while. But still to know that the end is near for Bob Lee, uh, good luck to him. And he gave a lot. But, again, in the hot take industry that it is now, he uh, he's certainly a pro. A breath of fresh air in this industry, no doubt. we got another hour to go, taking you up until noon today. Miller and Connick continues. Emery Songer in for Ken. The 11 o'clock hour is next.